Welcome to Achieve Wealth through value-add real estate investing. This is the show where the guru hype is banned and you get direct insights from commercial real estate operators. If you're a passive investor, this show can help you better understand investment opportunities. And if you're an active investor, the lessons from each episode can help you to become more effective in your own deals. Now, here's your host, investor and author, James Kandasamy. Hi, this is James Kandasamy. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate you. I know I provide a lot of value through this podcast and I want you to share it with your friends, with your families and anybody else that you know that kind of benefit from listening to this kind of content. Go share it through Facebook, through LinkedIn, through Twitter, through Instagram or any other channels that you want to share it because sharing is caring. Thank you. Let's go on with the show. Hi, audience and listeners. This is James Kandasamy from Achieve Wealth Through Value at Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Mauricio Raul, who's uh, one of the most well-known uh, syndication attorney. And he's based out of California. His company is Premier Law Group. He focuses a lot on primarily on syndication. So it's going to be a very interesting discussion here uh, because I want to talk about you know how a passive investor need to be aware on what happens on a, in the syndication world, right? Especially, you know, and a passive is 95% of uh, the number of people in terms of the syndication. So I think it's very important that we cover a good segment of this podcast uh, for passive. Hey, Mauricio, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, James. Looking forward to this. Awesome, awesome. So, I mean, I, as I was telling you before the show, I mean, I usually bring in operators. I think you are maybe the second one after, you know, maybe cost segregation discussion who are like more like service providers for our industry. Excited to have you here. So let's talk about passive investor, right? Because passive investors are new to this business and, you know, they are getting bombarded with deals and some passive investors, of course, never seen a deal. They they only know like in a few sponsors, which is okay, right? It's all about trust and respect and you know knowing the person and liking the person and all that. But tell me about how to define at very high level what's a who's a passive investor? Well, a passive investor is the one that essentially <laughs> writes the check uh, and doesn't participate in the deal at all. Um, okay. So once they get involved, they they are turning over the the responsibility to actually run the the deal to the sponsor. So it's really the capital. You know, you think of the capital stack, you've got the equity and you've got the debt. The debt usually is from a bank or some, some kind of lender that's giving you most of the, the capital that you need, but you need that down payment. You need that capital expenditure, whatever your strategy is. And so you probably need about 30%, 35% of the purchase price in actual equity. And uh, most people don't have that kind of money or they want to share the wealth and they want to bring in other people to participate in the and the amazing, uh, you know, the amazing asset classes that syndicators put together. And so they are the equity and they'll, they'll usually represent the vast majority of the equity. You know, a lot of the sponsors will put in their own money, but it's usually a small percentage of it. So probably 90% plus of the actual equity that gets put into these deals is put in by passive investors. And uh, as a passive, you really are giving up control. So all, your control really happens at the at the investment time, like you're, you're analyzing the deals, you're vetting the sponsors. But once you make that decision to invest, sign the documentations and send in your check, that's it. You're pretty much passive and you're not really involved in making decisions or really don't have any, you know, any say in the deal. It's very similar to you're buying a stock, you know, you're buying Apple or Amazon. You're not participating in the decisions of Amazon. You're just an investor. You own the stock. Uh, the difference, of course, being it's, it, these are not usually very liquid and it's hard to get in and out. But yeah, that's that's what the passives does. They they, they represent the equity and, and and hand over the control to the sponsors, who's got typically has the experience. 
Got it, got it. So, I mean, I know you represent a lot of sponsors, but I'm sure a lot of sponsors and you and sponsors talk about passive investors, how you want to represent the legal document, legal representation as well. So, uh, can you talk about like, what are the things a passive investor need to look for in a sponsor or whatever their offering is, I guess, right? So. Yeah, look, I think I always say this, uh, the, the most, by hands down, the most important thing that is the first thing to syndicate, I'm sorry, the, the passive investor needs to look at is the sponsor team. Like who is the person or the team that's going to execute on this plan? Uh, because you can have the greatest deal of all times if you don't have a really good operator or a good sponsor that's putting this together, it's not going to go well. I'd much rather have a really, I'd rather have an average deal with a really good sponsor than a really good deal with a crappy sponsor because uh, <laughs> a crappy sponsor is just going to, it's going to go downhill. So, so I think, you know, the number one job of a passive investor, first and foremost, is to do their due diligence and vet the sponsor and their team making sure they have the experience in whatever particular asset class they're doing, or at least somebody on the team does, uh, making sure that they have a good track record, making sure they have a good team, uh, good processes and good procedures, making sure that they have a record of keeping the investors, you know, appraised and, you know, updated on, on how things go in. But there's no substitute. Anybody can put together a fancy business plan and, 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 and a pro forma and how things are going to be great. But at the end of the day, somebody has to actually execute on that plan. Somebody has to manage that asset once it's purchased. Uh, and, and move that business plan along. And that, and that has to be a really well-seasoned sponsor to, to pull that off. So hands down, that's got to be the number one thing you've got to look at as a passive investor. Got it. Yeah, the experience, the track record, all that. Yeah, I've seen people who say, I don't like that deal because the returns are not so good as you go on. I mean, returns are everything in an Excel spreadsheet and you can just quickly change some formula and, right. and that returns can change. It's all pro forma, right? right? It's what's projection, right? right? So the yeah. track record is very important. So like, have you had like passives where, I mean, maybe you have, you, I mean, or maybe sponsors who have said that there are some passives who are not happy in some deals during the, before even the closing itself, when, when they're presenting the deal or, have you had that kind of discussion with sponsors or do you, I know how, how would you look for in terms of passive perspective when you're designing a certain business plan for, you know, some sponsors? Yeah. One thing you've got to remember is a, as a, as a passive investor is unless you're coming in with a vast majority or a big chunk of the equity, these are typically, um, you know, take it or leave it type deals, right? So the sponsor will put together the, the package that they'll come up with whatever strategy they're coming up with. They're come up, coming up with the percentages, the distributions, the allocations, all that stuff. And your job as a, as a passive investor is generally to say, yes, I'm in or no, I'm out. There's very, it's very rare that you're going to be negotiating terms uh, because first of all, you can't, you can't negotiate one-on-one -on -one terms. So whatever the terms are, has to be the same for everyone. Or if you, you may have different classes and so maybe different groups may have different, but I, I can't cut a special deal with one particular passive investor just because they thought, you know, they wanted to have a little bit more control of something or maybe they wanted a different preferred return or something different. You, you can't do that. So uh, it really, that's why, that's why you've got to do all your your underwriting and your, your analysis of the deal ahead of time, but you're not going to be negotiating. So if somebody's not, if you're not happy with the deal, that's fine. You just say no <laughs> in a nice way and move on to the next deal. Uh, but you're not going to be changing the deal. Now, if you're a huge investor, let's say you're trying to raise, Maybe they need uh, making this up, but maybe if you need $3 million of equity and somebody's coming in with a million or $2 million, then maybe you have some, some negotiating power to try and dictate some of the terms. But then the, the sponsor is going to have to go back and change all the documentation and make sure everybody else understands what the, what, how the, the deal changed. So that, that's something that you've got to keep in mind 
uh, as a passive investor, you know, when you're, when you're looking at these stocks. But one of the things you've got to be really careful about too, in general, James, is understanding what the requirements are that the sponsor needs to give you. So typically, most people rely, you know, nobody registers their syndications with, with the SEC, which is fine. Most people rely on exemptions. But the vast majority of the exemptions that they use require a really detailed level of disclosure documentation. Some of those red flags pop up every so often. If you get a syndicator that's coming to you as a passive investor and shows you the, the flashy brochure and all the great returns, but they don't have the disclosure documents. And by disclosure documents, I'm talking like a private placement memorandum, like a PPM. Uh, certainly, if, if you're a non-accredited investor uh, or if there's any non-accredited investors in your deal, a PPM is going to be required. And that's the document that basically lays out all the ways the deal can go wrong. It just has all the disclosures, the good, the bad, the ugly all the information about the sponsor. And a lot of times, especially if there are first-time syndicators or just kind of not, not on the up and up, they may, they may try and cut corners and not give you that documentation. And I think that's a red flag. Um, in the past, James, I have, I don't do it anymore, but I used to review a lot of PPMs for, for passive investors. And every so often, you know, I would look at the documents and I would say, well, this is clearly inadequate. There's no PPM. There's really barely any information. And those are red flags in the deal. And, and sure enough, you know, you fast forward a couple of years and, and the two specific deals, right, was pretty obvious that there was no documentation. Those deals went south. I mean, there was some fraudulent activity going on. You know, if somebody tries to convince you that you don't need certain documentation, you know, always make sure you're, you're talking to probably a lawyer or something to, to, to let you know that, uh, yes, that there are certain documentations that are required. You know, I know you, James, usually, uh, we, I think you do 506Bs quite a bit. And so yeah. you should be looking for... A, that PPM, that private place memorandum, you should be looking for an operating agreement that kind of outlines all the, the, the procedures that are involved in the, in the entity itself, the voting rights and all that stuff, and a subscription agreement. Those are really the three main ones. And, and then you'll probably get a questionnaire as well. But the PPM is absolutely critical, especially if there's, no, if there's non-accredited investors. And just as a reminder, non-accredited means investors that do not have a million dollars in net worth, uh, excluding their primary residence or earn basically less than $200,000. It's less than $200,000 the last two years. Uh, and I guess the reason like I'm doing them the negative, uh, the $200,000 the last couple of years with a, with a reasonable expectation, I guess, of not earning $200,000 this year would make you a non-accredited investor. Got it. Got it. Or you need to have a more than a million dollar in net worth, right? In net so, worth, yeah. If you've got a million dollars yeah. in net worth, excluding your primary residence, then you're, then you're, and that's a, that's probably the last change, if I remember correctly, that they made to that definition, uh -huh. uh, which was made uh, back in the, in the late uh, 2000s. And the reason was that, you know, everybody, especially here in California, everybody was becoming accredited because the prices of their homes were going through the roof. So <laughs> oh, really? the mother was an accredited investor. And so they <laughs> added that little provision to eliminate the primary residence and counting your, your net worth. But um, yeah, so if, you're not, if you are non-accredited or you know that there's somebody in the deal that's non-accredited, you should expect and demand a private placement memorandum because that's the document that discloses everything. Like you're trying, as a passive investor, your job is to look at the deal and make an intelligent decision. You know, you kind of evaluate the risks and the merits and you kind of, you weigh those options and then you make an intelligent decision whether to invest or not. You can't make an intelligent decision if you don't have all the risks and all the, all the facts. And so you want to make sure you have that document that outlines everything so you can make that, you know, intelligent decision of whether to invest or not. Got it. Got it. Can you like give our audience, like, you know, I know you talk about legal documents, PPM, company agreement, subscription and questionnaire. What are the top three things that they want to look at 
you know, to protect their interests as a passive investor? You know, I think, let's see, probably the most important part is, is obviously you want to look at the, the allocations and the distributions, right? You know, mm-hmm. and you want to make sure the documents are matching. You want to make sure that if there's, you know, if they're representing to you that they're going to give you maybe some preferred return, maybe they're going to give you as an investor a, a seven or 8% preferred. And then on top of that, they'll give you 80% of the profits and the sponsor will keep the other 20. You want to make sure that's in the documents, right? Just because it's in the brochure or the, the business plan, you want to make sure, most importantly, you want to make sure it's in the operating agreement. So a lot of times you'll see discrepancies between the PPM, which is just the disclosure documents where they may tell you, we're giving you an 8% preferred. But if that language is not in the operating agreement, the operating agreement is really the document that dictates uh, you know, what, uh, how everything is allocated and distributed in terms of return. So that's probably one thing is just to make sure that everything matches up. Uh, I think exit strategy is something you want to pay attention to. Um, how liquid are, is your investment? I mean, if you want to get out in two years, can you get out? Uh, is this a five-year deal? Is this a 10-year deal? Because you want to make sure you're matching your personal needs, you know, what I call it, the personal investment philosophy with the deal. I mean, if you're 80 years old and you're going to need the money in the next two or three years, going into a deal that's 10 years long is not, is not something you probably want to do. So you want to be asking those questions of, you know, when, when do I get out? What's my exit? If I need the money, you know, before that, can I get out? Um, because I think that's, that's kind of a, a really important thing. Voting is important too, although to be honest with you, you know, these are, again, you're a passive investor. So most documents will reflect that you have no, almost no voting rights. A lot of them have no voting rights. I like to include, you know, obviously if the sponsor's doing something nefarious and, you know, commingling funds or committing fraud, you want to have some provision in there that will allow uh, allow you to go in there and make a vote to remove the manager. And certainly you wouldn't want the manager to be able to just at their will, you know, change the preferred return or change the allocations, right? You want to have some something in there that protects you there. But uh, in general, you're not going to have any say on when the property gets sold. Does it get refinanced? Do you want to raise the prices of the rents? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? You're going to have no say on that. Oh, interesting. In my company agreement, I give all, all kind of voting rights. <laughs> I mean, of course, it's two-thirds simple majority, but I mean, we do, on the major decisions like sales or refinance, we do give. But I do understand a lot of people don't give that and or maybe they do, but I think mostly don't, I guess. You know, in the old days, they would do the, a lot of people use a, 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 a limited partnership as the structure. So you'd have a general partner, a limited partner, and the general partner would have all the voting rights. So as mm-hmm. a limited partner, you would have zero but I find, like I said, if, if you commit fraud or, you know, or there's at least some things that you do, you, you, you're going to want the right to, uh, to be able to remove the manager because yeah, yeah. it does happen. You do have people who are fraudulent and they, they steal your money. You want to be able to have a mechanism in there. to Yeah. Not only fraudulent, sometimes they are some incompetent managers, right? So, yeah. you know, sometimes yeah. life happens. Maybe something happened in that person's life, and he can't focus on the property right now. I mean, I, you know, I had a client who who that happened. Their 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 partner just started to. I think he had some kind of. I think it was some kind of cancer, but it, but his health just deteriorated to the point where he could not perform. You mm-hmm. know, perform his duties, and um, luckily, you know, he, there were there was two of them. But if he was the only sponsor or manager, then and yeah. the yeah. investment's going to be suffering because you know he just can't. He's got bigger problems, which is his health. And so you want to have that option to replace the manager if that happens. 
Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so voting rights, uh, you know, and all, uh, what about uh, in terms of the information that passive investors need to disclose to the sponsor? Is there anything that they need to disclose apart from whatever the documents that they are signing in? Yeah, one of the documents you will receive is this questionnaire. And the reason you get the questionnaire, in addition to just kind of get basic information, you know, your social security number, or your, you know, your address and all that stuff, which is usually for tax purposes or for voting purposes and notice purposes, uh, it's important for the sponsor to understand your level of sophistication. You know, sometimes you're required to be accredited in a particular deal, accredited investors we discussed before, mm-hmm. or sometimes th- there's, a, there's a limit to how many non-accredited investors you can have in a deal. So the, the, the sponsor has to keep track of all, you know, how many accredited, how many non-accredited, and all of them have to be sophisticated. So those are the representations that the, the, the passive investor will make to the sponsors. Like, yes, I am accredited, or no, I'm not accredited, but I am sophisticated. And these all have different definitions. Uh, and then in certain, in certain instances, in certain exemptions, specifically I'm thinking of a 506C, then you have the sponsor has additional requirements to verify that you are accredited. So they have to ask for your tax returns. They have to ask for your bank statements or brokerage statements or maybe a letter from the CPAs you know, verifying that you're accredited. So there are things that you are required to provide the sponsor, number one, just for IRS and voting purposes, but also really your eligibility to become a, a member of this uh, this deal. Got it, got it. Is there anything else that passive investors need to know from what you're thinking in terms of, uh, you know, investing in syndication? Yeah, again, I think it really, you know, there's so many different deals. I, I would start back and I learned this many, many years ago from from one of my, my great uh, mentors, clients, friends, uh, Robert Helms over at uh, the Real Estate Guys. And he always talks about the number one thing is to have, the first thing you start with is your what, what's your personal investment philosophy? And it all starts with that. And so if you're a pat, like I mentioned kind of a little bit about, you know, if you're 80 years old, you're not looking for, you know, home runs, you're looking for capital preservation, you, you may need some cash flow. But even more than that, I mean, what, what asset class do you, are you interested in? Are you interested in multifamily? Are you interested in, in mobile homes? Are you interested in single family? You know, what markets are you interested in? What's your risk tolerance? Like all these things are things that you probably as a passive investor should, should know or think about ahead of time. So that when you do get a deal presented to you, just make sure that it fits what your general criteria and your personal investment philosophy is. Uh, and then once you do find a deal that fits it, then again, you, you want to, as a passive investor, really be digging into and, and really, which is one of the nice things about syndication is you can establish a relationship with the sponsor. Uh, unlike, you know, when you buy Amazon, you're not talking to uh, Jeff Bezos, you know, you're not, you're not, you know, you're not in a relationship with Bill Gates in the old days or, or Tim Cook. But uh, with James, you can actually have a relationship with James. And I know. <laughs> talk to him on the phone and you can find out what his philosophies are and what's important to him in terms of an investment, what he looks for. And that's what I would encourage everyone to do is take that opportunity to talk to the, to you or the team or whoever the sponsors are. So you feel comfortable that your, your interests are aligned. What you're trying to get out of the investment matches what the sponsors are trying to do with the investments. Got it. Got it. Awesome, Mauricio. Thanks for coming into the show. This uh, wraps up our passive investor segment. Next will be active investors segment. That's it for this episode. If you'd like to learn even more, check out James's free audio book. It's the audio version of his best-selling book on passive investing. You can get the audio book completely free along with other valuable resources by visiting www.achieveinvestmentgroup.com forward slash free audiobook. Also, be sure to join our Facebook group too. To find it, just do a Facebook search for Multifamily Investors Group. Thanks for listening. 
Join us again for another episode next week. See you then.